0: Game on. Grab the net, sticks in the middle. Thanks for tuning in to edition 34 of Straight Off the Pipe Podcast. Right here on the Heavy Hockey Network, number four, 34, pardon me, reminds me of Fernando Pisani. And speaking of blue collar and clutch performers and hard workers, my co host, as always, is Mike Dursa. It's had a lot of nicknames on this show Mega Thread Mike, Happy Gilmore, the self proclaimed Lady, Lady Bing Award winner in U.S. High School of Hockey. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we simply call him The Answer. I'll come back around for your thoughts on the game after we introduce our guests here, Durst, but in two minutes or less, uh, why don't you describe to our listeners how you single-handedly fixed the Oilers last night?
1: Well, yesterday I uh, finished up a a side job of some laminate flooring, Uh, came home, threw my tools in the garage loaded up my nurse and McDavid jersey, grabbed my son, and uh, made the trek to uh, Edmonton uh, from Grand Prairie, um, pulled into Rogers and uh, paid for my parking and went through that rigmarole and walked inside the rink, sat down, Oh, Canada started, and they won a hockey game. It's all, it's all on me. It's amazing. All right.
0: Well, I'm going to want some more details on that, but I'll come back to it maybe uh, closer, uh, closer to the end. Uh, in the meantime, uh, not just uh, Durst and I here tonight. We're we're absolutely thrilled to have a couple of guests on with us. Uh, Lars is uh, a regular on the show. Um, I believe he holds our uh, record for highest views and on, on any of our previous shows. So uh, I know he's out tonight to to try and beat his own record. And in order to do that, he brought a friend with him. So. Uh, Chris Bloke Franklin, um, you can find him at Bloke Franklin on Twitter. Lars Cleo at Extra Lars on Twitter. Uh, They're hanging out uh, together and uh, visiting us tonight on Straight Off the Pipe. They're partway through a a comedy tour. I know their next stop is somewhere down the QE, down south. It'll be, uh, next Wednesday, um, on the 26th, uh, they're going to be celebrating Australia day and, uh, doing a show. So make sure you guys get online and find out where they're going to be. And I'm sure that they can help us, uh, do that. Um, Chris, Lars, welcome to the show, boys.
2: Hey, Dash. How you going?
0: Doing fantastic. Coming off a win. It's nice to actually do a show and we've got one. It's been five weeks since we've had a win. Um, Lars, welcome back, buddy.
3: Thanks for having me. I do believe our last win was the last time I was
0: on, so I'm not saying. But... <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Well, then you're on again next week. Let's do this. That's <laughs> funny. We were talking before we went on the air that I, I, I told Lars that when I, I was hoping for him in, in New York when he was there for, uh, for his Volkswagen trip on New Year's Eve, because if they won that game, I was going to start a fund to, to pitch in for tickets to send him to Toronto if he was going to be our good luck charm. but. Um, unfortunately, Lars failed us there, um, but but our friend Dursa saved us last night, and so perhaps he's the answer. But before we get into last night's game, um, Chris, you know you're a first timer on the show here. Uh, you're an Oilers fan. You're from Australia. You're in Canada right now. Um, tell us how you became an Oilers fan. Why, why why did you decide to enter down the tunnel of the decade of darkness with all of us?
2: Before I get into that, I've got to say I'm the reason we won last night. Forget Durs. Forget Lars.
0: Yeah, buddy. Well, I don't want to give Darcy any credit. I don't have to. So let's, let's hang I, that I, one, and you're going to have supported- to cut your trip to come back to all the home games. Sorry about that comedy tour of yours. <laughs>
2: I've, I've supported the Oilers for the last four years through meeting Lars in Melbourne, but uh, for the last four years, I haven't missed a game. I've watched everyone illegally downloaded or streamed on my phone or laptop computer in Australia. The games are on between 7 a.m. and midday. And uh, we've come over here for this tour, and the first game I have ever missed in four years was the 6-0 against Florida, which I'm glad I missed, and it's because I was working the same time the game was on, which doesn't happen. But I I went to the the Battle of Alberta last night, so we had a win, and I have a 100% strike rate for every time I attend a game, the Oilers have won.
0: Well, and let's be honest, uh, comedy rates itself, you're heading down south down uh, the QE2 uh, (laughs) next week, and you just might have some material for some of those guys after last night.
2: I was hoping Zach Cassian was going to play last night because I had a a sign to put up against the glass that said, uh, hey, Cassian, I hope you make Kachuk's dentist extremely rich.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it might not be the first time, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> well, welcome to the show, buddy. Um, I'm sorry that you met Lars because it made you cheer for this team. But, uh, you know, welcome to the cult with us. And we uh, we rejoice together and, and we, uh, you know, we depressed together at the same time. Last night. Um, thanks for being there, guys, because if that's what turned us around, that's fantastic. Um, it's an entertaining game, boys, like uh, Koskinen finally win one for us. That was nice to see. Um The penalty kill still sucks, but the power play is back on track. Um, I think we gave up the first goal for the 245th time this year. Um, But you know what? Evan Bouchard showed us that he can dance and walk the blue line like a young Stu Barnes. Evan Bouchard scores two power play goals in 52 seconds of power play time last night. Which, by the way, Barry has two power play goals in 100 plus minutes of power play time this entire season. What did you guys think up live, uh, up close and live when you were there, um, Dursa? I, I guess we'll hop back to you since it's also
1: your show. So I guess kind of in the first period, and it's our show. I guess in the first period, what I really, what, what I, what I really noticed was it's Lars's uh, show. Who are we kidding? Yeah, tonight's <laughs> tonight's Lars. What, what I noticed in the first period is, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the building, and and there was so much nervous energy it was like every time the weather's touched the puck, it, it, you could sense that they were just, you know, really scared to really make a play and do too much. And mm-hmm. thank God, Evan Bouchard kind of, uh, got, got, got his power play time due to Barry being out and, uh, you know, got, got broke, broke this like curse of not being able to score a goal. Uh, the building, you know, it was half full, but it, it erupted. And, uh, and then the, you could sense they were starting to get their confidence back. You know, it's still like let's be honest. Edmonton last night was kind of lucky to walk away with the, with a the win. Calgary, Calgary played really well. They dominated, but uh, Miko h- held us in there. Bouchard gets a pair of goals, and and you know it's two two, and anything can happen, right? And then they and then they got a lead, and and then you could feel like they exhaled. It was like, yeah, we can still we can still play, and Miko, you know, as that game got grew, went on, you could tell his confidence was building and he he made some big saves. Like I thought early in the first period, Calgary was taking it to us and Miko made a series of saves early on before it was one nothing. Um yeah. I think that gave him a little bit of belief in okay, he's he came to play tonight. And I, you know, I think he made a good save on the first goal and CC you know, didn't tie up his man and, and, and the rebounds in the back of the net. And you're thinking, Oh no, here, Oh no, here we go again. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad they got out of that game with a win. It, it was, uh, it was great to be there and, uh, you know, be a part of that collective side. I'm not a really superstitious guy, maybe, uh, Franklin, you know, Chris is, but, uh, I didn't kiss Gretzky before I walked in. I did, I didn't have time. So, uh, I, I was, that was a point that I was wanted to talk to you guys about too, was, you know, funny hockey superstitions. Like, you know, you can't say shut out and, uh, but almost like George Carlin, the seven words you can't say. And I think shutout's one of them for a hockey fans. So,
0: <laughs> well, you can yeah. say shut out in Edmonton, whatever the hell you want. Cause we don't have a chance in hell of ever getting one on our hockey clubs. So. <laughs> you're, you're not cursing. You're not cursing much. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with your assessment on the game there, buddy. I, um, you know, I, I, I had my game notes in front of me and it was like a tale of two, two games almost for me, you know, that first period, I kind of thought, here we go again, to be honest, you know, it was uh, 20 minutes in and, and no shots for Dryer, McDavid in the first, um, you know, Keith lost his gap after CeCe vacated the zone on the first goal and and gave Elias Lindholm a nice chance there. And on the second goal, you know, there's Keith, again, not being able to clear the zone, and then he can't handle Lucic in front. And I'm thinking, geez man, like all the same thing. And all of a sudden the second period came out and I felt like it was the first time we'd gone to the net in, in 28 periods, you know, like all of a sudden there was traffic in front and, 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 and lo and behold, goals are scored. Like play Harvey was creating screens. Dry Sidal was creating screens. I thought dry, I wrote on my game notes. I thought dry had a bad first period. I think he, he had won uh he, he was slow getting off and had bad body language before the first goal. He I wrote, he was lazy on another shift change. He was bitching at the ref, uh, no shots in the first, lost four of six draws in the first, took a poorly timed penalty. The Flames scored in the next, I don't know, two goals in the next how many minutes after that, it was a momentum killer until Koskinen saved us. Um, then all of a sudden Dragat's player of the game, you know, like it was, it was just unbelievable how they turned it around. Um, Lars, say, Chris, Chris, what did you, you guys so see?
2: <laughs> What's that, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. What did you guys think? You, harsh on uh, dry there a bit. I was going to say, why are you so pissy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> pissy in the park. Yeah, it, you know, and, and he was acting pissy still. I think his body language showed it. He was slamming his stick and looking like he was, you know, frustrated. And And then all of a sudden, like whatever happened in between the first and second period, I hope they can bottle that. Um, you know, and and pass yeah. it around the room before every game because man, I, I thought the second and third period were unbelievable. Um, did it look as fast live, Lars, as it did on TV? Because I thought this was one of the more fast-paced games we'd seen all year.
3: Yeah, I'll agree with um Dursa's assessment when we got scored on first goal. They it was deflating everybody. They felt like the whole place was just like, here we go again. Right, we the go second ahead. goal happens, here we go again. Like we're you know, Chris and I were doing a show in Spruce Grove on Thursday, which is so funny to have him go. He has not missed the game in four years because all of the games are at a time in Australia when you would never have a comedy show. So, seven in the morning till noon. And he goes, Why would you guys have hockey games at seven o'clock? Like, that's it's clearly going to mess with your comedy shows. <laughs> like, why not just <laughs> have them at seven in the morning, which is funny. So, um, <laughs> that second goal happens. And I'm like, I didn't see the game on Thursday where we lost six nothing. But I'm like, if we get blown out 4-5, nothing, and, and I think it's heartbreaking when I went to the Vegas game. I've been to three Oilers games in Vegas, and I went to the one in February before the world shut down, when I think the final score was 3-1. And the idea that here's 5,000, 6,000 Edmonton fans in Las Vegas for this game, Oilers Nation has sent down a big crew, everybody's there to have a good time, and there's nothing to cheer about. And it's devastating for me. We can go to another game later in the year, hopefully, or we get to see another one later. But Chris is is here for this tour, and the only night we happen to have off was this Saturday, and it just happened to be a game in Edmonton, it happened to be the Battle of Alberta. I wanted him to have something to cheer about. Even if we were going to lose, make it 6-5, make it 4-3, like, make it something where it looks like we have a chance. So the first two goals, I'm like, oh man, this game's going to suck for him. Like We're used to this. We've been around since... You know, the team joined the league. So, we you know, we've seen this all before. And then the second period starts and Chris goes, we're going to finish this period 3-2. Just straight up, just dead on. He goes, we come out of the second period leading 3-2. And we were up 3-2 until the last, the late goal was scored to make it 3-3. And he goes, wow, I did say we scored three. I'm like, you were wrong. Like, stop acting like you were right. You were right up until, you were right up until the, the, you know, whatever minute and a half left. His optimism is probably my favorite part about him being a fan. So the jersey that I bought him, and I wish I would have known his number. So Chris has, you know, has played footy, he's played cricket, whatever weird games they play, crokinoe, bocce, fucking whatever they play in Australia. I don't know, lawn bowling, whatever they play. He plays all of those things. So the jersey that I got him, I got him the number on the back because when you're drafted by a team, then when they bring you up to do the draft, they well, that's the year. So the year that I bought him the jersey was number 19. I'm like, hey, he's a draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers in 2019. Well, it turns out that his number would have been way cooler to put on that jersey than number 19. And I wish I would have known because his number is number 11. So to have him have an Oilers jersey with number 11 on it would be, you know, for a guy who is the equivalent of the, the king of the rednecks in Australia, here's a guy who is blue collar, so, if you hit the back of his jersey, I had it crested. Um, the back of his jersey is his hit song in Australia. So, um, and when I had it done, I put bloke on it. And they were like, what, who's, what player is that? And I'm like, ah, oh, he's this Australian douchebag. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly,
3: I, I bring him the jersey in Tasmania, Australia. So, this island state in Australia. He puts the jersey on. We've—I've just landed there. We're walking to the pub. I've never had a drink in Tasmania. We're walking to the pub. We—he does not have that jersey on for ten minutes as we're walking, and a car driving by goes Oilers. I'm like, and it was an English accent. It was a Canadian accent. The guy didn't stop, but I wish they would have because I want to know how this person was like, who they were, where they were from, and they didn't like. If it was somebody from Toronto, they wouldn't have cheered with the enthusiasm. That the person did. So I'm like, they had to have been from Edmonton for them to go
0: Oilers. I'm like, what? okay, stop. Like, come back and talk to
3: us. And I'm sure they're, t- I'm sure they're in- listening
0: to the podcast right now. So,
3: <laughs> 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 listen to this. Tell us who you are because I really wanted to, to have a beer with you. Um, when I was uh, in New York, I, I got tickets or I you pay to like skate at Rockefeller Center and I wore my Oilers jersey. So uh, there I was walking in my Oilers jersey. The Oilers are playing in town in a couple of days, walking in my Oilers jersey. From, like, whatever, my hotel to Rockefeller Center. is about a 10-minute walk. And I'm like, I'm in my Oilers jersey. I'm going to see some other Oilers fans. And people driving by were like, Oilers suck! And I'm like, oh, this is different than Tasmania. (laughs) much (laughs) different. So I really, as far as the game, I wanted them to have something to cheer about. Make it a good game so that you don't feel so disappointed the way we did in Vegas, the way I did in New York. The result, 5-1, and no like no real effort, not a moment where we hit a post or had like something really exciting. So I really wanted them to have an exciting game. I would have preferred to win, but then we're down 2 nothing, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so terrible. And Chris, his optimism has not waned in the past four years. So he has been like a, a, the biggest supporter of the Oilers that I've ever met because he hadn't gone through the dark years the way we did. So when we start to lose... 14 of 16 or whatever it was. Chris is like, we're going to do it. We're going. And it, like, I could show you all the messages that he sent. Maybe I'll post them on Twitter of like when we were, uh, you know, we won the first four games. We won the first five games. Won, he goes, we're going 82 and 0. We're going on. I'm like, settle down. Like <laughs> we are, you know, and he cheers on Mike Smith and Pooley RV, and he roots for the players in a way. I mean, he really knows the game now where he's talking about drafts. And, and it's amazing to see this. I mean, I follow Aussie football. But I still feel like I'm an element. My understanding of it is so elementary. Where I'm like, oh, I don't know why that happened. And you try and pick up the game. He's watched every game for the past four years. So for him to come to Edmonton during the winter and not go to a game would have been a bit of a tragedy. The fact that we were down and we this we came back and we pulled it out and we won and there was goals and and the end we were on. Um, we were in section one fourteen or one twelve or something. Uh, one nine one thirty we were in section one thirty um the first two goals were scored into into our end and it was awesome to see this puck go in and to see Chris just jump up just yeah just go ballistic now the first goal as Dursa was saying it felt we celebrated but it didn't feel like we were jumping out of our chairs to celebrate it really felt like we were going thank Goodness, like, oh, finally. It really felt like a finally cheer as opposed to like, yeah, we did it. We were like, oh, and that sigh of relief, exactly what he said. It felt like a sigh of relief. Then we get the second one. We get the third one. Chris Franklin from Australia is like, see, told you, told you. I'm like, it's it's fine. You did. You called. He did. He actually, he, full on. He did not, his... Like confidence did not waver. He knew we were going to win that game. He's like, We're winning this game. We're winning this game. I'm like, spend the next 20 years cheering for the Oilers and we'll see
0: yeah i love that optimism still being alive right like his chris's <laughs> hopes hasn't been crushed by the ghosts of cam ward and ryan kessler like the rest of us but um chris you told me before the game that it was like a uh, being like a kid in a candy store after watching roger's place for four straight years uh illegally on your uh streaming app um what did you think to to see that monstrosity live in person
2: <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. I, I had a, a Cheshire Cat grin on my face from start to finish. From when, when they were announced onto the Love rink, we, we missed the warm ups. We were there for the national anthem. Uh, Robert Clark did a fantastic job, as he always does. And yes, he does. Then, then seeing the, the lights, the, 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 that box with the screens above the rink is, is so much bigger than I imagined it was going to be. It's amazing. Yeah, You know, you know, know, know. your
0: overhead score clock is too big when they actually have to install TVs in it and underneath it so that <laughs> the players on the benches have something to see.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. There was an interesting part of the game, but the time out right towards the end of the game there, there was a mm-hmm. cameraman just had his camera on, on the Flames bench whiteboard with what they were doing. <laughs> we're all screaming, you know, like, <laughs> screaming at Dave Tippett going, tell him just to look up. <laughs> look, look at uh, the screen.
0: <laughs> I wish we could do that. I'm not sure it helped. They did it. it though. That's that's, that's story. true. That's
3: true. But they, I've never seen it done in any hockey game. They, during the game, the big screen, the jumbotron, the cameraman zoomed in on what the Calgary coach was drawing on the whiteboard. <laughs> it was, I've never seen it. They were like, here's what the plan is. He drew it. And we were watching
0: it. Really? Was Sutter just actually writing out his, like, Costco grocery list so he could find another pair of reading glasses or
2: actually
0: actually drawing
2: up a play? It looked like like he was scribbling out the the whole, like, forward line. It it, it was like, they're out. Like, I don't know what he was. Yeah, just he'd spent three minutes or however long working out this play and then just went. No, that's not going to happen and scribbled the whole thing out then, I, then the he figured went. out
0: the game plan on dry sidle went out the window after he got four points in about 25 minutes there um which was nice to see and and not quite as nice to see as it was to see uh, uh bouchard kind of come out of his shell a little bit i mean like the fans in edmonton have been writing bouchard into the top line power play for the better part of a year and a half now and you know our uh Head heavy hockey head honcho put out a tweet last night, Michael Hubert, about, you know, funny that it took an injury to Tyson Berry to show how wrong a coach was. Um, I thought Bouchard looked fantastic on the power play. I noticed a couple of different things on the special teams last night, actually. Um, I thought our penalty kill was still running around, and that's another story. But on the power play itself, when, when Bouchard was walking the line, Um, I thought it changed things. I thought that Calgary really had to expand their box and really had to play a lot with a lot more pressure because they had to respect that shot of Bouchard's and and he proved it with that bomb on the first goal. But what I liked in that second goal that he scored was that puck had eyes like like it was, it was perfect. And, and you guys might not have saw it live and maybe you've seen the highlights on TV since, but he, he made this cute little play where he kind of faked the shot and, and the lane wasn't there and and so he kind of pulled the puck in and he did a little hesitation move pulled the puck in and and just shot the puck from a different angle and and it came off of his stick like a like a lightning bolt it fooled the defenders it created a lane and, and it obviously fooled Markstrom too so um i thought that it it made uh, our power play more dangerous um Durso, what did you think about the special teams after watching it you know first uh, first and foremost and up front
1: I'll go back to when Evan Bouchard was first drafted and he was at his first uh, NHL training camp with the Oilers. I went with my mom to, to watch and we kind of came in a little bit late and we were coming from behind the net around the corner and to go sit down in the community rink in, in Rogers. And uh, when we got into the building, Bouchard had the puck and he was just inside the blue line and let just like you know a half, a half snapshot go, and it hit the glass as I was walking by. And I've been in you know rinks since I was four years old or or whatever. And the sound that that thing made hitting the glass spooked me. I jumped, yeah. and I, I knew right away this kid has an NHL caliber shot like uh, very few. You know it 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 had a lot on it, and uh, so you're watching him last night and. You know, that that big bomb for the first goal uh, happens and and I wasn't really surprised by it. And, uh, you know, that that was I mean, somebody was tr- I think it was Spectre trying to say, you know, it was it was all wristers and 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 whatever that you're putting putting on that. Well, no, the first one was a slap shot. That was, that was the can- that was the cannon. I said the
0: exact same thing to myself when he said that.
1: But the second one was uh, more skill play. I mean, he picked the corner, and uh, it wasn't just pound it on net and hope it goes in. He he was putting it to to right where he wanted to. I think he
0: put it under his arm, which even goes to show you how fooled Markstrom was. Like I think uh, it went under his armpit.
1: I'd have to see it again, but I think it was top uh, left hand corner. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was. Um, Okay. My
0: bad. Go ahead.
3: Now exactly what Durst is saying. I know that there's this moment where people go, oh, but we all kind of knew. Now, did he play his junior in the OHL? I think he played in the OHL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here's a guy. London Knights. Yeah, thank you. He led the OHL as a defenseman in shots on net. Led the entire league in shots on net. Yeah. For a defenseman to lead the league in shots on net. I mean, and he... The fact is, when you're talking about a seeing eye, he takes these stutter steps, he he, he walks the line, he does all of that stuff. He did that in junior. You can't lead the league in shots as a defenseman unless you have the ability to find the lane, unless you can find the hole. If you're putting the puck on the goalie and those shots aren't getting blocked, that means you know how to do that. So when we got him, when he fell to us, and I was like, I cannot believe we're getting this, this guy. Now, we've seen the guys that we've developed, Schultz and Lillen, maybe even Nurse. We get them in there too early. Don't give them time to develop. Overripe them, you know, the way the tippet, you know, and those guys are, they, you know, make, give them too much time. He's been our number one defenseman, in my opinion. I could be, but from my, and I'm a little biased because when we got him, I'm like, this guy is going to be, and I hate Pronger because he left. This guy's going to be Pronger. This guy is going to be a game changing defenseman. He's going to be one of the best defensemen in the league. And I thought that from the day we drafted him. Now, did he lead the OHL in points? He
0: He he. is the, I'll put some, I'll spread some icing on your cake for you, Lars. He is the highest point producing OHL defenseman of all time. One spot ahead of
1: Drew Doughty. Yeah, he put Drew Doughty numbers uh, kind of to bed. So, and people could say whatever they want about Drew Doughty, but I still think he's a fabulous defense one of the best so, sure I mean, so, look look at
3: his championship look at look at it exactly so and just to finish the thought to go yeah, when he's, he's finding those lanes, when he's when he's picking those spots, i'm like i I wanted to let him develop. I wanted to let that really ripen because of the way we hustled those other guys in perhaps too quickly. so I'm like, okay, let's wait, let's wait. How he wasn't a regular with the lineup we had last year for defensemen and and the fact that we were sitting him in the press box that he was here and not getting I'm like. He was too good for the OHL. Too good, as in the highest producing point of all time. And then leading the league in shots, I'm like, what more season? Like, how much more seasoned can this kid be? He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the hockey sense. This guy was, I mean, like I said, I believe him to be a pronger, a dowdy, you know, and to make a huge difference, a game-changing defenseman. And we sat him in the press box all last year. And bleep it out, but how the bleep was he not playing before? So now, was it any surprise to me at all? No, I, I thought that that was going to happen last year. I thought he was going to blow everybody away last year. The fact that we sat him up there, and then remember when he came in, they put him in one game and he scored a goal, and then they put him back in the press box. I'm yeah. like, if the guy scores a goal, what, like, a, like what more do you need? He scored a goal. Ride the here's your pass, sign. Put him out there again. That here's your uh, why well, Yeah, Bill Engvall, nice work. Anyway, that's yeah, Durs well, is right again in my opinion.
0: Uh Durst, you wanted to jump back in there, I think.
1: Well, I think part of the Evan Bouchard, I think, has kind of made Ethan Bear a little bit expendable. I think that kind of they they had to shuffle out a defenseman to give him to give him room. And I think it was between Barry and Barry and Bear and they went the the Bear route to 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 trade. Um I, I don't know. It was probably
0: better than bear last year. That's the problem. Yeah. And to answer I, Lars's yes. question, Tippett Tippett hates young players. That's why he I, got,
3: I, I sat think, in
1: uh, I think, uh, you, all year, um, Barry, Barry sitting, you know, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on Barry too much, but I think him and Keith, like as a pair were actually all right. Um, they did okay. um, no, they did. Go back and look at their numbers. Dash.
0: They did. They did. Yeah. I, I mean, my body language is because I would. I don't think they could do it long term. I don't think you trot those two out and don't see defensive disaster at some point in time. It, it,
1: yeah, and you, you probably they did play well. I agree. You, you probably won't like the article that's in Oilers Nation uh, just the other day about about Duncan Keith. What about him? Kind of holding his own.
0: <laughs> oh, kind of holding his own well isn't that what you want from a 5.5 million dollar defenseman that brings nothing but leadership intangibles that have put us down a 13 game losing streak fantastic good job duncan keith don't get me on that fucking tangent right now
1: <laughs> 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 all right it's it's the it's cost it's the, it's, the, it's the cost dash but he's he's a dramatically different than the guy that was in chicago and i won't say i told you so but <laughs>
0: we, we don't need Duncan Keith. We need Adam Larson back. It's what we well, need. But well, that's,
1: that's... what we really need is is a GM that will go into a, a trade. And if he's picking up a used car, he'll ask for a better deal instead of taking the sticker price on the window. And that's what happened with Duncan
0: yeah. Keith. Yeah. And take my Tesla at the same time. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's a great, great negotiator, that Ken Holland. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a reputation for it. Um, yeah. Well, that's the eighth you straight are, game yeah. we've given up a power a power play goal. Um, we haven't stopped giving up power play goals since our last win, which was five weeks ago on December eighteenth. So they've got to get that fixed up too. Um, who was going to jump in there, Chris? Sorry,
1: I,
2: I, I, I don't I don't me. I'll, I'll definitely have a go at this one. I, I, I thought our penalty penalty kill was good. That, that I mean, that they were. Um, calling penalties on us that weren't there, and that they had a lot of power play minutes. So, um, yeah. you know, if if they keep keep on getting minor penalties, they've got to defend. Um, they're going to let one in eventually, you know. So, I, yep. I, I thought they, I, I thought the penalty kill was really good last night. Talking about you know, t- pa- talking
1: about penalties, I, I got a question for you guys. I was perfectly fine with it because for me, it was the first sign of emotion out of this team and frustration and a little bit of anger, but. What do you guys right. think? No, nurses, nurses. No, nurses n- cross check. Oh, nurses the cross
2: check. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm I'm uh, fine with it. I think it tells, it gives them some space
2: and it tells people to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't do off. that again. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, thank you. Before we. I think, I think it was we, just,
0: yeah.
2: it was just embarrassed from copying that big hit before it, it's gone right. I've, I've got to do yeah, something. Yeah, it just been pissy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting to have. To really, I mean, Nurse is our toughest player. You know, that's the one guy w- without Jujar here, yeah. without without Cassian being Cassian. Yeah. There really isn't anybody yeah. to stand up. So Nurse got blown up twice yesterday. Like, he got mm-hmm. blown up twice. And if Nurse is getting blown up, there's no one to respond. Who's jumping in if Nurse gets blown up? So instead of Nurse going and blowing up one of their guys, he cross-checks the guy in the back, takes a dumb penalty, we get scored on. So in that case, I'm I'm with you guys in that I want to see passion, emotion. I want to see, you know, I, I don't like cheap shots, but I'm okay with a little bit of chippiness. Like, play with a chip on your shoulder. Be Kelly Bookberger. Be Zach. Ah, Zach Cassian has done some dirty stuff. But maybe not. Maybe that's a bad example. But be that guy <laughs> who is going to lay the body on somebody. Nurse getting pushed around. Nurse was getting pushed around yesterday. You know, and... like luch can just do whatever he wants to do and who was the guy who knocked out uh jujar what was the name of the the guy who one punched jujar Kara? yeah yeah. a really tall guy a couple years ago probably not with calgary anymore. yeah but yeah yeah, i don't don't know who was that no it was um anyway regardless um, for us to not have anybody that can respond. So if, if, I mean, it was a good clean hit on nurse it laid him out, you know, he was, you know, he, he was standing up straight. So he got knocked over backwards. So, you know, like Chris said, he's like, he was embarrassed. So here our toughest player, which is, I mean, he's a tough guy, certainly, but he gets, he gets blasted. And then he stands up. What's he going to do? Like, he should have grabbed that. If he was going to take the penalty, grab him and start punching. Like, you know what I mean? Make it a fighting one.
1: Like, stand wait, up. Wait. Make it the Battle of Alberta. You, you, bring yeah. that, you bring that point, Lars, but then you've got your best defenseman who's probably going to be in the box for seven minutes because they're going to give him the instigator. Why, why would Bouchard have gotten a penalty there?
0: I don't think there would. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there, Lars. I see what you did. There. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if that's going to be a, an instigation penalty there or not, because that that hit. You know, from uh, yeah, I don't know from Zadorov. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Well, you're right. We'd almost want rather to see him five, certainly. I'm with Flores. I think I'd almost rather see him take the five and sit in the box for five than with somebody with him than two by himself. You know what I mean? But yeah. the only thing about that hit I didn't like is that Lars uh, – uh, sorry, Lars. <laughs> Lars definitely didn't touch the puck. Nurse didn't touch the puck there. It, it still was behind him, and, and he got crushed but before even touching the puck. Now he was close, and, you know, there's it's hockey's a fast game. But yeah, the, the, the other thing, is
2: that, is. that was one of about five penalties we didn't get. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, good point. I, I'm good okay. Point.
1: With, I'm okay with that too because it's really early in the game. You know, you take that penalty in the third period, it's, it's a different game. But you take that early, you got lots of time to recover, and they killed it off anyway. But it was the first yeah. time. you It was the first time you really saw any hate and and anger and frustration in their game, and I thought that was yeah. good because before it was like they're, these guys are getting taken to the woodshed, and they were okay with it. You know what I mean?
0: Hey, look, That's man, you, the Oilers fan. Oh, go ahead, guys.
2: The first time yeah, I saw a, any exactly anger. Or anger in their game was um, Leon Dreisaitl's press conference the other day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you bring up good, a couple of good points in saying that, really, because like it's as the Oilers fan base, here we are. like We want our cake and we want to eat it too. And, and you know, hey, guys, show some passion, show some passion. Oh, nurse, what the fuck are you doing? That's a stupid penalty. Well, you, you can't have both. And to the to the dry sidle press conference. Like it's the same thing. Come on, guys, show a little give a fuck show that you care, show that you care that you lost. And then he does, he shows some emotion and then they jump down his throat, you know, like it's, it kind of pisses me off. Um, Chris made another good point earlier. You know, he was talking about the, the, the PK and, you know, talking about how much pressure we were under and man, it was a full game of pressure almost Chris. Like it was, the shots were 47 to 31. The cult of hockey had grade a scoring chances at 20 to 13 for the flames. And they had five bell scoring chances at nine to four for the flames. I don't know if I've ever seen the cult of hockey have 20 grade a chances in a game. So that leads me to, you know, the last thing I want to finish up on and talking about this game and that's the big fin. Um, boy, Miko. uh, you know, he's, he's been there for us a few games this year where he's won us a game, but I don't know if, boy, you were probably the only one in the building. Um, <laughs> you know, he, um, he definitely uh, did everything he could, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't read one of the comments coming in from, from Shannon, my number one fan. Hey, boys, Koski wasn't playing as deep in his net last night. He challenged more. Good for him. Quite literally, Shannon, I want to show you my game notes. The first thing on my goddamn list right there. I see Koskinen seem more aggressive visibly outside of the blue paint. I wrote. So once again, we're on the same page, Shannon, I agree. Um, and look at that boys. He plays a little more aggressive. He doesn't play under his crossbar and he wins us a game. Um, Durst, what did you think of the goaltending?
1: Well, like I say, like er- early on, uh, I, I thought Miko instilled a little bit of belief because in-, in the first period, I think there was like a early series where he made three saves right in a row. And, and uh, you know it wasn't okay. The First one's behind us, like so. He we weathered a bit of the storm. I think it was about eight minutes in before Calgary uh, kind of got on the board there. So you know mm-hmm. they weren't under the gun like like that. And uh, they he he made a good save on, on the on the first one, but the problem was the rebound went to Calgary, uh, and mm-hmm. really you know if CC's doing his job, that that isn't in the net. Yeah, he
0: vacated there.
1: Yeah. Sure. But Keith lost his gap and
0: was spinning in circles. And when I launched it back again, Keith lost his gap because the forwards let him come in with so much speed. So there's, you know, it's a team game. Right. Sorry, Go
1: ahead. And and Miko probably didn't get that exactly where he wanted because I think that shot went through Keith's legs too. Keith was a yep. bit of the screen there. And, uh, yep. you know, he got a piece of it. And then CC didn't tie up his man. It's in the back of the net. The penalty kill goal... You know, the, the second goal was a bit of a Chinese fire drill in, in our end running around, yep. and, and uh, yep. you know, so I don't really fault him there. If there's a goal, well, he...
0: Keith's if, tired, and he's trying to handle that of there in front of the net, and that ain't yeah. for anybody.
1: No, no. There's a little bit of disarray in our penalty kill still, and I think that has to do with Nuge being out still. But Cal- no,
0: that's Cal- a good Cal-
1: point. Cal- Calgary was about, you know, I think... I think they won about 60, 65% of the draws last night. So, we, I mean, we're chasing. And usually we, yep. we do, we do well against them in the faceoff circle. Like most nights are yep. at least at even, but um, chasing a little no bit. No Hyman on the PK either, bud. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's two guys that, that definitely help. Um, that, the third goal that uh, Calgary scored, he might want that one back. But from my view on that one, like I was, I was kind of uh, on his blocker side above him. And uh, there was tons of traffic in the lane. So uh, from where I was sitting, I had a hard time following the puck there. And, you know, I'm playing, I'm not, I'm not in the, in the net, but I, I thought he was good. Like, end in the third period, he just, he made some saves that were just unreal. Like I wouldn't say he was positionally, uh, you know, where he needed to be a lot of, they use yeah, this He for, looked like he was battling. Yep. Yeah. They use that word for Mike Smith all the time. And, and he, he battled, like he, he yep. wanted he wanted that game and, and I'm glad that yep. he got it. I'm glad that he got the win. Like uh, if, if I mean the team we needed, needed it, needed, we needed the, te- it. the, the fans team the needed it. Yeah, the team needed it, but I think uh, out of any anybody
2: on the ice, Miko needed it the most. You, maybe you make the, the game. Maybe, for maybe for Dave did an absolute <laughs> pressure uh, pleasure on the players. So they 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 if they could have, they would have carried Miko off. they, they all. Yeah. Yeah. Right to him. And, and there was so much more joy than just the, the tap of the helmets that you normally say at the end of a game. Yeah. I saw that too, Chris. That's a really good
0: point. You could see that the boys really wanted it for him. So
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought that yeah. was excellent
0: to see. Sure.
3: Okay. I'm going to, I don't like people who play devil's advocate because I don't, if you want to, you want to, you, if you want to annoy me on social media or Twitter, or anything? Oh, I, I, I should, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. I should have done uh, an identification. Uh, you are watching Dash in the Park. Our guest, Chris Franklin from Australia. Of course, we've got the Dash himself and Mike Dursa, also comedian Lars Kellio. Um, anyway, I... <laughs> this is what happens when it's Lars's show.
0: He knows what to do.
3: Yeah. Um, no, certainly. And we want to mention our sponsor, um, Chris the Bloke Bro- Franklin from Australia. Very bogan. Um, the the worst beer Australia's ever had. No, um, <laughs> I'm gonna get go
0: our sponsor, yeah, Lopes uh, and Bogans.
3: Yeah. Um, if you want to annoy me when somebody says I want to play devil's advocate, I'm like, so you're gonna argue for the sake of arguing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because you want to argue. That kind of mm-hmm. makes you a bit of an asshole. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you say be an asshole, Lars, was, be an ass. No, I'm, no, no, I don't. I don't like it. And I'm like, if you, if you agree with your point, if you want to defend your position, I'm, I'm all ears. Well, you can do that. If you think this, and I, I'm all ears. But if you just want to argue for the sake of arguing, you're just kind of yeah. a bit of a...
0: Hey, look, bit of a Koskinen it. saved the game. I don't think he had a great game. No, no,
3: it's not even where I was going to go with the thought. Oh, damn. So when, when both of you, <laughs> and I agree, I agree wholeheartedly, that both of you are right in that the players looked so happy for him. They were like, Oh, thank God. And I mean, people have been riding Koskinen all season since he got here, like like, forever. Now, now imagine, um, a guy who underperforms consistently again again and again and again and again and again, And he's a professional at whatever the person does, a professional weatherman. And he's like, this guy's wrong 90% of the time. Whatever the case is. I host a podcast a with a guy like that. Yeah. If you're just constantly wrong. And if you finally get one right and everybody goes, oh, thank God he got one right. Yeah. Good for him. He got one right. <laughs> I'm like. Is that a good thing? So, yeah. it's a, It's a terrible thing that yeah. here we are. Um, you know, I, I am a little afraid. I love this team so much. I I, lo- I want them to win so badly, like the rest of them, the fans of the league who are real fans, and I really love them. I really, I I really do. And here we are, no goalie, um, and uh, no goalie for many years, and we signed this guy. What the hell was Shirelli thinking with that? I mean, out of his mind. It was here's a guy who 28 and only yes. took it. So the fact games that everybody into his was, career here's four and a half, half million, million. Thanks, yeah, please. for years, like term. He didn't just get it for two, like term. Now maybe there wasn't a lot of other options. So I, I respect that you're like I don't know what those GMs are. So look, I think it was a terrible deal. I think it handcuffed us on ever getting a goaltender that could have for sure. Be, I, hey, look, if we can get a guy who's top twelve in the league, not 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 top ten, not top five, top twelve. Like let's just let's just get somebody who's not in the bottom twenty. This team has a real chance. Like, give me a guy with a 912, 914 save percentage. Give me uh, now. So, here's a guy who has been trash for seasons, letting in 14 goals on the first shot of the game. This team is how many, and it's not like he lets in one soft one every couple of games. He lets in one soft one every game. Two so seasons that-
0: straight, he has led the NHL in allowed low percentage scoring chances. And this is quantifiable; it's measurable. Here's a guy who is a garbage
3: goaltender. He's barely he's barely a competent backup, and I it seems like a hell of a guy. I mean that like I don't yeah. want to trash a guy's personality or that. Yeah. like I look Koskinen. I wish you all the best in the world. I wish that you were still playing in the KHL or wherever you were. Like you shouldn't be. You're not an NHL goaltender. You never were. And so for me and everybody's like, how great was Koskinen? And I go. We lost 14 of 16 because of this fucking dickhead. And everybody's like, yay, what? I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, they're like, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Like, you know, you know, even a, even a blind dog finds his water dish eventually. Or, you know. Yeah. I uh, like that. Yeah. You know, so the, this this situation where, I mean, the fact that they had like nine grade A or 20 grade A chances. I mean, a couple of them went off the inside of his like. It wasn't like a quality goalie save where positionally he was sound. And then he, like, made this great save. He, like, literally got lucky last night. And if we are relying on getting lucky as a goaltender, we are in big trouble. Like, what's going to happen is, if we rely on luck, we are going to go up against a team that is defensively sound and has an an okay goaltender, and we're going to lose in four straight in the playoffs. That's exactly what happens. You get a
0: goalie that... You couldn't have, I couldn't have said that any better. You're in front of a microphone for a living. That's why I couldn't have said that any better.
1: You literally
0: gonna, scraped I, that off my tongue. Go ahead, Durst. I, I completely agree with him. Completely. I got to
1: challenge a little bit of what you said there. Yeah, go ahead. Because Grant Fuhrer wasn't always technically sound. The guy was an athlete. He made saves that he Grant had Fuhrer
0: no- stopped the puck when he was supposed to. Koskinen doesn't.
1: Grant, Grant Fuhrer, though, would dive. He would. He would, like... You've seen it. The guy would be airborne to make saves. I have a counterpoint. I have a counterpoint. So I got a um, counterpoint. So,
0: Miko well, Koskinen does not belong in the same sentence as Grant Fuhrer. Okay. No, Man, no, I I, am, no. I, well, what's,
1: what you're what, what well, saying is, yeah, it holds water. There's there's more to it though. See, <laughs> okay. you have to look at Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith as a package deal. He was never meant to be the the guy. Who anybody that thought that he was supposed to be the guy is is out to lunch. He he's he's paid like he's the guy. That's that's not Ken Holland's fault. That's Peter Sorelli's fault. The 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 contract, and then you double down on it by giving the guy a no movement clause. Um, that, that's lunacy. That hurts. That makes it hard to do. No, I think,
3: with. but but I think the no but the no movement clause would have been there because of his save percentage.
2: Yeah, and and and, and, no one's
3: taking him on. uh, Yeah,
2: exactly. But
1: and and you're paying him the four and a half million based on numbers from the KHL. Like it it doesn't translate. Like he played on Putin's team that was
0: rigged and
3: didn't have to play by the rules. That's funny. Yeah. So do you? Are you? Let me know when you're finished. Well,
1: yeah. There's no way I'm comparing Miko Koskinen to Grant Fear. It's it's no. I'm just saying that. Sometimes a good goalie will make saves. They have no business making. It's not all just positional. I don't think he's Miko has been used for the, the body type that he has, and I think that speaks to goaltending coaching. This guy is like 6'9 on skates, and he plays on the, on the end line, like on the goal line. What I are think you it doing? also
0: speaks to his confidence, because when a goalie doesn't no. – when they're not confident they're going to make a save – they go back in their net and they try to make themselves big. And that's what he does. He goes down like, early and like he if, it, if,
1: if you're gonna play on the okay. goal line, you better be a hell of an athletic goalie. And he isn't. Right. Yeah. He's a big that's right. he's, okay. a, yeah. he's a big, he's a big guy. So get out. Hey, let, let's let get, Lars go here. Just let Unleash, me finish. Lars. Get get oh, out. Sorry, I thought you were get out, cut out angles. And and that doesn't yeah. happen. As for yeah. always letting in the first goal, Cam Talbot, same thing. That happened to yeah. Cam. Why? Because Cam was exhausted from the year before. Yeah. Look at look at Cam Talbot in Minnesota now. The, the the guy is a really capable goalie. We should have kept Cam.
3: Yeah. Well, he was I mean he uh, and could be defensive like I certainly respect that. So to your point about Grant Fear, <clears throat> love it and agree. Um I mean back then it wasn't until um who was the Russian goaltender? God, God why am I drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden? The first one the in the off? No, yeah. no, no, early early on um duh. But, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tretiak. So Tretiak. Tretiak coming in with a butterfly style and tre- like mm-hmm. the idea that we have, you know, yeah. cutting down angles and like not just stacking the pads. So Fuhr played in a time when a toe save was a big thing. Like a toe save.
0: <laughs>
3: a guy <laughs> made a toe save the other day and everybody's like, man, when was the last time you saw a goalie kick out his toe and make a toe save? Like those were so great in the 80s. So as far as not being mechanically sound, um, Grant Fuhr played in a time when nobody knew mechanics. You couldn't be mechanically sound because that you weren't getting taught mechanics by your goaltending coach. Yeah. There
1: probably wasn't
3: even a goaltending coach. No. They were like, go out there oh. and
1: save some. No, it's very so, neglected position for a long time.
3: Yes. So now um, here, you, oh, great. I agree. Fuhr wasn't mechanically sound, um, and and Koskinen last night wasn't and and pulled off a win and made some exceptional saves. Lucky, but yeah. but exceptional um there's a a quote that i love so and i love and i i'm paraphrasing i didn't read this but i heard it one time and i like repeat it but i I might be recording misquoting it so take this with a grain of salt i love the quote um like a good goaltender should make all of the saves he should and some he shouldn't right so that idea of you should make all of those easy saves and a couple you shouldn't. Kiprasov, when he was around, made so many he shouldn't have. And that stole so many games. You just need to steal one of those games. And then, like, when you went, we went up against Winnipeg in the playoffs, you just make a couple of saves you shouldn't and your team will win the game. You stole the game. And those, that goalie stole the game from us. The thing with Koskin is he doesn't make all of the saves he should. Like, so I can't give a guy credit for making a couple of the saves he shouldn't have. Because he doesn't make the ones he should have. We wouldn't have lost 14 of 16 or th- 11 like we wouldn't have lost all those games if Koskinen was making all of the saves he should. I don't even need a goaltender to stand on his head. I don't even need a goaltender who is going to, like steal the show. I just need a goaltender to not let somebody drift one at the net and have it go in. It's deflating as a team. It's defeating as a fan, and it makes your team lose games. That margin of one goal a game. On somebody like Koskinen, letting in that one soft one a game. Talbot did too, so you're, you're absolutely right on that. But when you need Koskinen to make that big one late in the game, the way Grant Fear always did, that late in the game, he's going to make the save and the, we're going to win the game. doesn't matter about the four easy ones he let in earlier because he's out of position. He makes the late one and we win. Koskinen doesn't do that. He lets it, in the late one and we
1: this, lose. This team's a playoff, playoff team if they get goaltending – that just stops the ones that you should. They don't that's have it. Exact. Yeah, that's it. That's
0: it. Full You're here, saying the same here. thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, can I just jump the one point for a should. minute, guys? Yeah. yeah that's What's that, Chris?
0: Yeah. Please do. I was just going to ask you that.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I just for me, um, at the start of the season, he, he was our backup goal. You know, he wasn't the guy. Mike Smith was, and uh, I love mm-hmm. Mike Smith. But what is he now? 107 or something? He's still playing. <laughs> 108 hockey. in January. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it, it, he's going to get an injury just warming up, you know. So yeah, yeah his groin is hundred and nine, oddly enough. Miko's been thrown in there, and what Lars is saying about last night, he got lucky that that first save he made last night, I think, went through the five hole, and it's just because he had his pad the, the wrong way than it should be that it bounced off and went. you know, That's right. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he did play a great game. And Lars, if you're that dark on him, how come you bought me a jersey with his number on it? Because I feel the same way about you.
0: <laughs> uh, I agree with, uh, I agree with you guys. I think, you know, this kind of, and here's, here's what I keep thinking back to. Um, we had ex NHL goaltender and, and local media guy here, Joaquin Gage on the show. And uh, you know, he said it's always nice to flash the flash, the leather and, and get a big glove save where you can go windmill like Patrick Waugh and, it, but he always thought that the best saves he made in a game were the ones that hit him right in the chest, because then he knew he was in position. Yeah. If you're in position, the puck hits you in the chest. If you're not in position, you're doing what Chris just explained. You're scrambling around your back legs, kicking the pick puck out while you're flopping around. And I think that goes back to exactly what Lars is saying. He was lucky, but exceptional. Well said, Ooh. dude, the dog found his dish or the sun found his ass. I don't know how that <laughs> saying goes. Maybe it's, different in Australia, but um, what it came down to, I really believe this, you guys, is this game came down to puck luck being in our favor. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. kind of just not had yeah. those bounces go our way, and those goals go our way, and, and for a night, they did. Um, yeah. You know, we, we're still Guess, not defending properly, you know? Like, it's it, it, we out- it really, our mistakes again.
1: It really didn't feel early like we were going to get any puck luck in that game, though. And yeah, I agree. I, 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 agree. I, would, I would say in the third period, uh, you know, Mika wanted that win, so he kept, you know, battling. Use the mm-hmm. Mike Smith term rather than just rolling over and and uh, you know he didn't quit and and so you're you're going to give yourself a chance when you do that. I think there's nights where it just you know just give up and and yeah, you're beat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no I'm fight. not
0: taking away from the fact that he made nice saves. They, there was there was times I jumped out of my off of my coach, but. You know, and I don't know if you guys heard the postgame comments where where dry and, and Kosky were up there together. But uh, Koskinen said that save halfway through the third period when the game was still tied was his biggest save as an oiler. Yeah, like that's cool. how much of pressure it, does that guy feel right now? Of wait, his career. But you you're, you're wearing his number, Chris. Put yourself in his shoes. How much pressure did he feel last night that he had I, to make I, a comment that that was the biggest save of his oiler career?
2: I I often put myself in his shoes because I'm on a lot of group chats on social media with Oilers fans who I find just just want to blame someone when we lose, you know, like oh that that's Oilers fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah but I, I can I know he's he's got to be hearing these comments and it's got to get to him. And the, the guy's doing what he can for the team is the way I look at it. And I'm I was as happy for him as his teammates were last night. That, that he got away with, with with what he got away with, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, Fair to say it, it's though. not his fault.
0: Mike Smith got hurt. You know, Dursa said that yeah, he's worn yeah, out. Talbot cool. was worn out. Koskinen started the last 20 games of last season because of Mike Smith getting hurt. He starts the first 20 games of this season because Mike Smith's hurt. You know, there's something to what you guys are saying. You know, there's
2: something in the water. Okay, it's but he's probably got offered four point something million, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: sign me up. I'll take that for sure. Would it's not have taken that so, collect,
2: I'm sure yeah so,
3: so, like Chris Franklin has been a professional comedian for over 20 years. Um, I've been a professional comedian for 14 years. It feels like when a setup. we go to
0: losing, feels like a set, c- combined they are as nope. old, their careers are as old as Mike Smith.
3: Yeah, no, here's the so when we go up, we when we do our show in Banff on Monday, uh, January 24th, when we do our show in Calgary, um, January 26th, when we we drive from there to Tumblr Ridge, which is about a seven, six and a half hour drive, seven hour drive Fort St. John, then we got a six hour drive back. When when people when people pay, bought a ticket to that show and they come up, they don't care that we drove six and a half hours. They don't right. care that it was a blizzard. They don't care. They paid you don't to, care see... that you had to
0: sleep on coach up to Fort St. John.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the best shows of the year. Um, when, when that happens, nobody cares about our problems. There's a very funny comedian named Daryl Lennox. He has a joke where he goes, you know, who cares less about your problems than you do? Everybody. <laughs> um, so that's Daryl Lennox's joke. So here we are talking about Talbot being tired. Oh, he was tired. He was tired. And then they're like, oh, the reason that, you know, Koskinen has had such a workload is because he's tired. They're paying him $4.5 million a year. I remember my friend Glenn, his dad, used to, I watched this guy make a catch once in baseball. He jumps over the fence and he makes this catch and why? And I go, what, a catch? And his dad goes, he should make that catch. They're paying them $9 million a year to make that catch. If somebody offered you $9 million a year, there should never be a ball hit anywhere near you that you can't catch. That is an insane amount of money. Now, again, collective bargain agreements and, and the percentage of the m- money spent. Da, 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 da. I don't want to hear Cam Talbot's tired. I'm like, so let me get this straight. You practice, which happens, and then mm-hmm. you take a nap, and then you eat a team meal, and then you play a hockey game, mm-hmm. and you're worn out like i gotta drive seven hours to fucking tumblr ridge on thursday nobody gives a shit about my drive in the middle of a blizzard and freezing fucking rain when i get to the gig nobody's like well you know i mean i know it wasn't great tonight but he was tired you know he's just tired of I mean, a long drive nobody gives a shit do your fucking job so i don't have any sympathy for these guys who are getting blasted on now don't be an asshole to them as a human being look mm-hmm. It's a job. You can you can critique his goaltending. His glove hand improved the, for the second year we had him, which was amazing to me. His glove hand looked so much better. But now he lets a soft one in a game. Like you said, statistically, he lets in more soft goals than anybody else. Like he just doesn't save the ones he should. So I don't have any sympathy for him as a goalie. As a human being, I don't want somebody to be depressed or like looking at this stuff and being like, as a human being, I feel like I'm a piece of shit. I want people to be like, yeah, I'm a mediocre goaltender. I should be in the KHL. You know, because if I'm on Putin's team, I look like a rock star and I'm winning the championship every year.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: If you signed a contract and it is not his fault that he got that contract. But at the same time, what Chris Franklin said was Mike Smith was supposed to be the guy and Koskinen's a backup. That's not how they're paying him. You know, those contracts are, uh, aren't are that way. So the Koskinen, sh- I mean, look, he, when we talk about like he was playing too ba- too far back in the net and you guys blame the goalie coach. I don't think the greatest goalie coach in the world would have ever been able to make Mikko Koskinen a top 10 goalie in the NHL. He just doesn't have the skill. He just never did.
1: My my uncle Jim would say you you can't take a Pinto and turn it into a Lamborghini as a goalie coach. And, Are you talking
2: and, about
3: my comedy career, you fucking
2: asshole? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, can, I, can I just <laughs> so point out, guys? We won five three last night. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about Koskinen, like like we'd had another Florida game. You know, like it, he did a great job last night. Oh, where, who was in net for Florida?
3: I don't know. We George Vesna. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Koskinen. Well, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I didn't get to have any beers at the game because there's no alcohol, no food. I haven't had a drink this whole time because we've been driving around everywhere. I'm two beers in. I don't normally drink four shows, so I apologize for the, for the profanity because I think I blame the two beers and and the Australian.
1: I reject um, your you, I, re, I reject your apology.
2: Yeah, well, I, still, I normally I, I, I I'm I'm better than just using. Loves, I'm I'm ten beers in and I haven't sworn yet there you go see so so,
0: now and this all comes down to what you were talking about what about showing up for your job okay look at now chris is 10 beers in not one profanity you know (laughs) and look lars and chris and miko koskinen all share something which is people can show up at your place of work and tell you how shitty you are at your job I tell you what, the first guy that busts in my office door and tells me I'm doing a shitty job selling electrical equipment, I'm going to punch him in the (laughs) nose. If someone's (laughs) going into Dursa's workplace and telling him he cut that board crooked on the laminate flooring, he's not going to be happy about it. You know, like like that's a pretty rare thing you guys have to deal with, I think. And, you know, I look over at this comment that came in and and I'll let you comment on it, Chris. I want you to, Um, you know, Shannon here says Kelly Rudy said last night that it's mentally taxing. Um, and it's taking its toll on Miko. It can affect focus and timing. You know, and he thought that was a great point. You guys go through the same thing. What do you think,
2: Chris? Is that is that fair? I I, I think um, it's a great point you bring up. That your job uh, your job re- we, relies we on good timing. Your do job
0: do. relies on
2: showing up. Yeah, yeah, I I just wish I was on four plus million dollars uh, <laughs> to, to be doing it too, uh, but last won't pay that. It's it's interesting. I, I was watching, uh, sitting with Lars. I said to him in the stand last night, or in the arena while we we're watching them all. I don't think I've seen this many millionaires in the one place ever before in my life. And it, you don't think about that. They're sportsmen, but there's a a lot of money happening around that. I said, yeah. But uh, that, getting back to what you're saying, sorry, dash. The, um, That's all good, bro. The, the comments will play on you mentally. That they're, they're, they're going to grind you down. And I said earlier, he's. He's got to hear those comments. Uh, no, I don't know what it is about Oilers fans. It, it might be the years of disappointment, but uh, I barrack for a team in the Australian rules football called North Melbourne. We finished bottom of everyone last this last football season. We haven't won a premiership, our equivalent of the Stanley cup since 99, but fans are, are there are with their club through thick and thin. If the, Club's going through a bad time on the field. The, the supporters are, are trying to build them up, not shoot them down, trying to get them back up. And so that that's a really weird thing for me to see supporting the Oilers because it happens quite a lot. And I just think it, it's got to affect them. It'll be the reason Dry snapped at that press conference. It'll be the reason they've been flat for a while, you know. It, it doesn't matter how many millions you're on. If, if the people you are playing for... Start shooting you down. You're going to go. Why am I trying to win for these guys? Yeah, There's- yeah.
0: It's like being married to somebody that doesn't love you or doesn't want you anymore. Who wants to be in that marriage,
2: right? Oh, you had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Chris? You bring up a good point. And I think one of the things with with the Edmonton Oilers is they have a very, very, extremely, very passionate fan base. That you know. Doesn't miss a game, doesn't miss an interview, you know, doesn't miss anything. They're they're all in they're all in all the time and and the pressure is is ratcheted up to probably one of the highest levels like in in the NHL. You know, you go to a market like Florida or Tampa Bay or LA or San Jose for you know, they've got the nice weather, but they also, you know, they're not in into the NHL like under a
3: microscope. Yeah. The microscope. yeah. yeah,
1: and, and, and so they're, they're heavily, you know, scrutinized with everything that they do on and off the ice and, 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 they can't escape it. It's great when you're doing well, cause everybody loves you. But, but when you're not, I mean, that, that pressure is there and it's one of the, gr- it's one of the great things about the team. And it's also one of the things that they, they can, can drive people to like, do I want to be here? you know and i am not pointing fingers specifically at the fans cuz the media can do the same thing and sure. and i and i look at our media as you know um th- they'll go they'll go after people they're not ruthless like they are in new york and and boston but it's a constant and it's and it's a constant when things aren't going well
2: yeah yeah i, I, yeah. I agree with you completely and I, that's I, neat- I think the the fans as much as they may not think it affects the players, like how can uh, my little voice affect that superstar kind of thing? If there's enough of those voices happening, uh, uh, that that attitude could be the the difference between success and not. You know, and and it's from the fans' attitude, not so much the players on the on the on the ice.
0: Yeah, that's true that's- for sure. I'd like to get Lars's opinion on this too, but my little comment to this is, you know, and this isn't any type of pat on the back, but Alberta was built on hard work. P- people come to Alberta from across this country for work. They, they come from Newfoundland. They come from BC. I came to Alberta from Saskatchewan. You come here to work. And, and I think like as a society and as a, um, you know, uh, let's call us redneck, call us what you will. When we watch our team play hockey, we want to see them fucking work hard. Right, Larson?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well that I mean I hadn't even considered Chris's point um about if like to see other um you know to go to Australia and to see that everybody's like, come on guys, you can do it. Yeah, like let yeah, let's let's do it together. To have that mentality, I, I mean, I never even considered that. Do I think that the team would perform better if we were more optimistic, more hopeful, more positive, more I don't know because we're talking about guys who and, – and I, and I never want somebody – I don't ever think you as a fan, if you have something to say to a player while they're eating dinner, by the way, you're your goaltending – no, no, no. They have coaches yeah. that will do that. They, they know sports writers, fine. If you're going to talk to a player in public, you say, hey, thank you for what you do or, mm-hmm. or please to meet you or get your autograph or get your picture – to critique somebody's acting act to just critique somebody's um in public, you're an asshole. Like go home and write a blog, get your own podcast, do whatever you gotta do. Don't ever yeah. accost a player in public. That is it's root. There's no I'm, need Unless like you're talk doing to it somebody.
0: to Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a, true. A yes, idea. unless it's Matthew um, Kachuk. Yeah, full reign. full reign. So, so I you know, I had yeah, I had or, or Ryan Kessler. The, <laughs> yeah. The, as,
3: as far as the idea of like, would it help? I we're talking about guys who have a sports psychologist that will help them visualize, that will help them, and they watch game film, and they do all that, so positionally, they should know their jobs by now, and all of those things. Um, My worry is, what's something that Dursa kind of touched on is, it, you go to Texas, taxes are infinitely less than they are in Canada, you know, and Alberta's taxes are the best in Canada, but Texas, but then you're also not under the microscope, so if somebody gave me the option, like, okay, I'm going to pay you 4.5 million in Edmonton, or I'm going to pay you mm-hmm. 4.5 million in Dallas. Which one do you go mm-hmm. to? And you're like, well, I'm going to end up making a million dollars more a year in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody on the street is ever going to say to me, you're a shitty defenseman or whatever the yeah. case
0: is. And now no no, the hoist and and, your boat And yeah. And and
3: I love this game. And I, and I know that without the Canadian teams, like we, the, the league wouldn't survive. So we ha- like, it has to exist in Canada but but from a player standpoint like and i mentioned this on the last podcast of yours um if if you would have bet me 1 million dollars that connor mcdavid would sign for 8 years i would have i would have borrowed money i would have asked my mom to put her house mortgage her house again to to make that like that's how confident i was that he would sign for four or five i would have bet a million dollars of real cash that he would not sign for eight now here we are, you know, with Drysaddle's contract gonna expire in a cup, you know, a few seasons, and McDavid's. I worry that those guys have been under under that microscope for too long, and they've just had. I mean, you know, unless they're winning, it, it's a good place to win, but sure, sure is a shitty place to lose. And that Nick David Gretzky interview was like, yeah, it's awesome when you're winning, but boy, oh boy, it's tough when you're losing. So I do maybe Chris is right in that as fans, I should be better. Maybe I shouldn't get on Koskinen's case, but also. We as comedians, I mean, it's a tough gig. I love it. We do it because we love it. And the same with hockey, like you can't reach the NHL unless you love the practice, unless you love everything about it, the travel, all of those things. Um, So all of that being taken into consideration, if I'm underperforming and I'm not getting booked as much as I need to, I have to get funnier. Once I get funnier, then I get to go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival or I get to go to Sydney or Adelaide or Tasmania. So these players who are underperforming, yeah, they're getting lit up on message boards and and podcasts and all and I, and TSN like all of those places. But it's their job to try and be better than they are, and and I mm-hmm. hope that they can tune some of that out. I agree with you guys that it's certainly it's it's it, it would get on get to you. But when I had a lady once on a cruise ship come up and she's like, "You weren't funny," like it took, came to my face and was like, "You weren't funny," and I was like, "I I knew when like when that happens, especially you can hear the crowd laugh. Like there's times when I've bombed my ass off but usually the person was offended by one joke and they want to come complain to you about that one joke and it was a joke about a catholic wedding and it wasn't it right. wasn't sacrilegious i wasn't making fun of the church i wasn't making fun of god it's a true story about me being at a catholic wedding and not knowing how to be at a catholic wedding because my family's not catholic and she was offended by that and she wanted to come and tell me
0: you're used you so the story about how you thing. met your wife <laughs> yeah i wish <laughs> <laughs> this, this <podcast laughs> how i'm gonna
3: meet my wife <laughs> this, is, this is like, did you hear Lars and Shannon are together now? And I'm like, that's how I met, um,
2: that's how I met your mother.
3: Um, so, yeah, so we get critiqued in real time to our faces and it yeah, does hurt. Sure. It absolutely does. But you also know how you did. You have a barometer of how you're doing. So when Koskinen blows lets and easy ones every game, he has to know that too. And he has to know that. And I mean, I'm sure he's doing everything he can to be better. Um, but I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them as players, as human beings. I want them to have a life of joy and and peace of mind. And, and I want them to love what they do, but as a player, do your fucking job. Like, that's your right as a fan Clear the zone. Yeah. 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 And I mean, but as a, as a human, if I saw Koskin in public, I'd shake his hand and I'd say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, have a good season. I hope you do well. I hope you guys win. Good luck. Like, I'm not, I'm not mentioning anything to him. And then head mutter head under head head your head. breath. I
0: can't wait till Holland
3: trees
2: your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go back to the KHL, you please. It's funny, it's funny <laughs> love that um, uh, everything that you're saying. I I did see Miguel earlier in the week. He was having dinner, and I went up to him and said, "Mate, what you need to do is get further out of the net and cut down the angles." And uh, look, we, we had a win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All
0: we needed to do was fire Schwartz and hire the bloke.
2: <laughs> and Glenn, you, you didn't tell the rest of that cruise ship story too. About apparently 15 minutes after she said that to you, uh, she fell overboard. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how
0: unfortunate.
2: <laughs> yeah, There's was, a joke she, in
0: there about throwing out a life safety vest or something, but <laughs> sorry, go
1: ahead, you, you were talking about like work ethic in Alberta and it kind of brings up a point I want to make. You sure know, uh, I think it was last week you know, just before they played Florida or we all heard about a hard practice, you know, lots of contact drills and, um, uh, you know, one-on-one, um, uh, puck battles and, and McDavid and nurse kind of going head to head to lead off the practice. And they both ended up, uh, you know, on the ice, you know, with the puck or whatever. And, and everybody was just tapping their sticks and in the same practice, uh, um, Colton Sevier kind of got ran by a cuckoo and he goes off and he skates off the ice and he breaks a stick over his knee. Like he's the second coming of Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it was, it made the papers, you know, Rashad was talking about it and, and all this. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? That, that's great. But where the fuck? And I, I'm going to swear there. Where the fuck was this in October? You know, I, I see a coach that's wasted a lot of time with these guys not getting them physically ready to compete. And you, you, need, you need a team that, you know, not, not, not every athlete is going to be Michael Jordan, okay? I'll, and, and they aren't. But that guy, you know, he was pushed by his coaching staff, but he had that inner drive himself. To uh, Michael
0: Jordan would come up with manufactured reasons to hate people so that he R- could right. have motivation for a down game.
1: Right. You know, and, and these
0: the, guys on the Oilers are trying to figure out how to load manage and take time off. Uh, like nice, nice, so.
1: that, that's what their that's what that's what their practices were. I mean, okay. the, you, you know, like I, I look at it, and it's just like we're 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 introducing hard practices. You know, in the middle of January. In January. Okay. What, what are we? Okay,
2: what have we, been,
1: what have we been doing? I, I'm not saying that every single practice needs to be an all out war, but I okay. would think I would think once a week you know you okay or every other practice like introduce some tactical practices Fun. yes
0: but
3: yeah, but
1: but bring some of the pain okay so yeah.
3: Yeah. uh that passion to compete um when the University of Alberta Golden Bears were undefeated for seasons winning championships one of the things that a guy had said in an interview was it's because we practice against the best, like the best offense where it's the best defense. It's the best goaltenders. We're practicing against the best. So the reason right. that we go dominate the other teams is because we're practicing again, the level of compete in the practice is huge. Now I agree with you. I've heard, and I'm sure you, I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but other players have gone to other teams and said that the practices for other teams are infinitely harder than the ones I brought that, that up we that have here, here last in Edmonton. Week. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that, like players have said, like, oh, the practices in Edmonton are like, they're a cakewalk.
0: They're easy. Didn't so that happen like two or three like, times in one year where yes, like three guys yes. left Edmonton players- and it was like, oh my God, I didn't realize this is how you're supposed to work. I you're believe, that, work. Was, now, okay. I Duke, I believe that was, I believe that was, might've been one of them.
1: Under McClellan. Like yeah. Todd oh. McClellan was a coach. I don't know if it was you're David, right. per- David Great Perron. Point, Lars. It might've been Perron.
3: Okay. Yeah. But, but. Or, okay, so or Yeah. It, Good point. Sure. Great point. So, so Durst is saying, like, why aren't we busting our asses in practice like this in this level of compete all the time? And I have an answer for Durst because the coach doesn't want to make the players tired. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> he, he just asks he them, do you guys want to work hard today? And
3: they like, always
1: say no. So well, Tippy well, gives huh? them what they want.
3: I don't want to be Tippi tired. Right?
1: Talbot was tired and
3: Coskinen was tired. You know what, Lars? So
1: I know, I know I set you up for that joke about an hour ago, but the, react, the reaction, if you go back and look like, through Rashog's tweets or whatever, you can see what Colton Sevier did after he got hit in practice. He wasn't injured. He played the next game, so he wasn't injured. And he busted his stick over his knees like, like you're not supposed to hit me in practice. Like, yep. yeah, fuck that. Colton what Sevier, is by
0: that? The way. What
1: is this? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know if you've seen the movie Youngblood, but it's like when Murray Chagas... Chet- oh, yeah. When Murray Chadwick says, you guys could skate around with a carton of eggs and not break any. Like, it's, that, yeah. that's their fucking practices. Yeah. Because they don't want to make them tired. Yeah. They're, can they're I tired. take
2: this back to Australian oh, yeah. rules football again? Yeah. Yeah. The preseason there, the season is probably March through to September mm-hmm. um, through, through our winter months. The, the preseason starts around November and they, they train right through till it starts. At the preseason, there's probably three times as many guys as is needed for that club, and they play intra-club games against each other, competing for positions. And they are, like, punching on in these games with their teammates because they're vying for positions. They're, no one is a friend in that club and, until they've formed that team for the, for the start, and, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what you need to do.
0: Uh, and that's and, a hockey tradition to fight the guy on the ice and go buy him a beer after. So
2: I can't yeah, see why I that would, doesn't translate. I wouldn't translate. buy him a beer after in Australia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying go and injure your teammates in practice, but, you know, push the envelope. That's Work, right. work hard. Like, how do you get better if you're just going through the motions? Like, you, you got to practice harder than the games so that the games are easy. You know the games are a walk in the park. It's just it's just muscle memory. It's it's routine.
3: Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. What do you guys? Yeah, you're absolutely. I fully agree. Fully every point you made is fantastic. We, I mean that. Like, how are we now? We're like, hey, can we figured out if we practice harder, we're better in games. Well, they um, they they exactly. had an awesome
1: start to the game against the Panthers because of it. Mm-hmm. So where the you fuck guys, was that at the beginning of the year?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 like it's yeah. I mean. I, it's, so hard it's, to, it's, it's hard, hard. to
2: too hard before the Panthers and had an awful awesome start. You should have a look at the the end bit of the Panthers game. Uh, no, no, just ta- I'll, I'll,
1: I'll just take the start.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, take uh, the start uh, of the Panthers game and the finish of the uh,
0: Flames game.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. What are your thoughts on um, now? I and we talked uh, the, the, like the will lead this, but so I think Bear had kind of reached his peak. Like I, I hope that he, I hope he becomes a top tier defenseman. I really, really liked him um, and wish him all the best. Has Yamamoto peaked out? When I see him on the power play and how easily he's getting manhandled these days, guys are just literally one arm pushing him off the puck like, get out of here, little boy. It, it, I mean, he is honey badger in that. He's in there hustling and he's hitting guys and he's really trying hard, but I mean, it just, I don't know if I see a 10, 10 goal a year guy out of this guy. I, I mean, I'd love it if he was 20 but do you guys see him evolving into a player who is a
2: 15-goal-a-year guy? Can I jump in first, Steve? Please do. His breakthrough season last year, was it the year before? Last year. year before, I think? year before, yeah. Uh, he had something to prove. He was a little guy. He's all of a sudden in the NHL, and and he had that desire to... I don't want to just have one or two games and get sent back, but I, w- I want to be here. And and he did that. He he worked harder than he had to, to, to establish his position in the side. But I feel when he got there, he's just cruising now. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot more to give, but someone needs to push him again. Mm-hmm. I, I love the guy as a player. I love watching him play. And uh, just that little nuggety bulldog that's in everyone's way and sp- flying Giving mm-hmm. everything to get to the other end uh, to stop the icing call or, or exactly. save something or whatever. It's, yeah. But uh, Yamo
0: keeps plays moving for sure.
2: Yeah. I, I just, I, I was surprised last night, first live game. Uh, he had a couple of fast breaks too, how quick he, ca- he came down that ice. He, he was right up there with, with Connor, I thought. But um, I think he's not pushing as hard because he doesn't feel he has to anymore. He's, he feels like he's going to be in that side.
1: I think he's gonna be a streaky scorer throughout his career. It's a it's a confidence thing. Fogle sprung him for a breakaway last night and he and he, you know, he didn't cash, but he 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 looked back and he and Fogle saw him and he hit him at the blue line and he's in all alone. So he he reads the plays well. He he's got a good hockey head on, on him. And he did beat Luch for a puck battle in the second period, kind of right around center ice. They were kind of battling for the puck and he walked away from it with Lucic. So He's 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 that little dog that wants the bone, but uh, I don't know. I heard I, I think he's probably going to be a ten to fifteen goal guy. I think that's where he's going to be. I don't if if he becomes a twenty goal man, that that's great. But I I don't think he's uh, going to be a career twenty goal player when when it's all said and done, no.
0: Yeah, I think he's about a fifteen goal scorer on a on a dry sidle McDavid line, if he ever yeah. settles out into a third line role uh he's, he's probably a 10 goal scorer and it does come down to streaky he's he streaky in junior he's streaky in the pros he's been streaky his entire pro career um that said dry Siddle wants him on his line and he says it over and over and over again
2: and but that's uh, probably Yamamoto because of business it?
0: <laughs> it could be you know and, it, and at the same time it's it does come down to the fact that he keeps offensive plays moving. You know, he's, he's hustling for icings. He's digging in the corners and and digging out pucks that might've been frozen for face-offs. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, it, it stops Dreisaitl from having to go to the bench for a change, which, which he lo- hates doing. So.
2: There was, there was um, one moment in that second period I noticed um, where he was, it just appeared to me that uh, Yams wasn't quite up with the guys. You know what I mean? Like, like he, yeah, he works hard because he has to. He hasn't got the the silky skills. But um, there was mm-hmm. a beautiful pass from McDavid from behind the net that just sort of cut straight through to him, and he just was not ready for it It went past him. And, and yeah, and you think yeah. uh, it, it, if that was dry sidle where Yams was, that that's another goal we got, you know.
0: Yeah, I got to give it to Durst. It's got to be a confidence thing because he's got the hockey IQ and he shows it, but then you're right. He does things like that where it's like, you know, like that's, that's a pass coming your way, bud. Just heads up,
1: right? There's a, bit um, of co- there's a bit of caution in his game now too. I think he's realizing he, he's a little undersized with some of the other players. You know, when he, when he first came up, he, he wasn't afraid to do anything out there and you get nicked up a little bit and that, that kind of changes your perspective, I think, he he's had a bit of a reality check and kind of plays a little bit more of a comfortable game than, you know, like, like, you know, when he first came up, he was like, he was Eric Lindros in in, uh, Theo Fleury's body kind of like, right. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Watch the, um, that's that's a great, great point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that point at all. As far as you're right, he did have a couple injuries where guy's rammed his head into the, into the glass and he, you know, now he's, he's more cautious. But as far as the, the breakaway pass that he had, um, I was going to shout, "Nice work, Todd Marchand!" <laughs> yeah, what I was going to yell <laughs> in my section. Which, by the way, I made our section laugh. I have this thing that um. So in Winnipeg, I went to the Winnipeg Jets game with Todd Schultz. Uh, Todd Schultz, <laughs> um, <laughs> with the manager. I'm like, delete, it, erase that part. I just said the the owner of the manager, owner of the comedy clubs. <laughs> I could <can> name from <laughs> Tyler uh, Schultz. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, oh, yeah, Todd Marchant. That's why I said Todd. Anyway, so I, so I get taken to a Winnipeg Jets game. They have this thing that they do with the Winnipeg Jets game that is so funny. So when there's about a minute and three seconds left in the period, somebody in Winnipeg yells, hey, asshole, how much time is left? And then <laughs> One I, minute I go, remaining in the third period. <laughs> so, so last night I did it during the second period. I go, hey, asshole. how much?" And you're yelling it as loud as you can. Yell it. And everybody in your section hear. hey, asshole, how much time is left? And then everybody looks back at me like, what? And they go, huh? last minute of play in the first or second period. Second and everybody period. bursts out laughing like "Yeah, like that was really funny. So um, that was from Winnipeg. And that was from Tyler Schultz uh, Rumors Comedy Club, which is one of the best comedy clubs in the world. Um, but um, I was going to say, like, nice work, Todd Marchant. There's this young, little guy in a breakaway and he doesn't score. Um, then I watched his move. So I got to see it in slow motion. And as he's doing it in slow motion, I realized he splits the goalie's legs open and made a, and it, he missed that goal by a hair. So it's yeah, talking he about did. hockey IQ or skills, or I'm like, they're there. I just don't it's know. And I, I'm, yeah. And I, I hope he, I hope he ends up 15. If he ends his career with 15 goals. A year on average, I would be delighted by that. Like maybe I should, maybe as a first rounder, I should expect more, but I'd be really happy with that. I don't even know if he's going to get to that. And that's why I asked the question. I'm yeah, like, I, he's got I different he
0: intangibles will. and they're pretty unique intangibles, right? Like there isn't a lot of guys that'll forecheck like that and board battle like that and fight for a puck until death. So, you know, Yamo brings his, his uniqueness, I think. And, you know, whether he's not going to get paid 5 million a year for it, but it's going to be a nice little player to have that we can play in our top nine that, that makes a million and a half, you know, and and I think we need those guys too, Lars. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I don't know where we want to go with the rest of this. We've, we've probably uh, rattled enough posts off the the pucks off the post for one night, sure. but we you know we want to give each a chance to kind of either ask any more questions or, uh, or at least plug your tour before we get out of here. So Lars, you want to go ahead there?
3: Yeah, I will jump in real quick. And then I'll give it to Chris Franklin. And I wanted to ask the cap question, but I will do this. So today there was a golf tournament. So today was the first annual West Edmonton Mall Professor Wem Golf Open. And I just wanted to say that Canada was in the lead, two strokes going into the final hole at the West Edmonton Mall Open. And I blew a two-shot lead. I took a six on on hole number eighteen, and I lost by. Two, I was two strokes up, and I took a six. And Chris Franklin shot a two, and he. Well, I'm devastated. It is. Uh, I mean, Canada, I let you down. Um, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps we can. You let yourself down. You let COVID. your country down. <laughs> so I want to say to the you know yeah, but anyway, uh, I really. Canada. I'm sorry. So, and congratulations, <laughs> Australia. You deserve the win.
0: Regular Phil Mickelson, just blowing, blowing up. blowing oh. up.
1: I was undefeated by the way, going in, but I heard next anyway. year. It's, I heard next year it's full contact.
0: <laughs>
3: in Australia. Though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, uh, do you have any, um, yeah, yeah. A couple of things. Uh, I, 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 I had the win in the, in the golf tournament today. So I, I would like to thank my wife. I'd like to thank my mother. I'd like to thank God. Uh, no. <laughs> we are going to about... Disneyland. <laughs> um, <laughs> guys, thanks for having me on here. This is fantastic. I, I, I've had uh, our, our Friday and Saturday just kept getting the the best days of my life. Friday, we did the show at Yellowhead casino here in Edmonton and Robert Clark came to the show. And uh, I I got to acknowledge him in the crowd as uh, I stood on stage and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the singing voice of your Edmonton Oilers, Mister Rubik." Uh, like, like they say nice. before every game, and so I just always wanted to say that. Got photos with him, and uh, he he loved the show, which was fantastic. And then Great, he went man. to the, met him
0: several times. Really good guy. Went,
2: went to the game the very follow, following night, my first ever time at any hockey at any level. I haven't been to, you know juniors in in regional areas or anything. My first game was a battle of Alberta in Rogers' place that we won. Uh, I was going to swear then because everyone else did, but uh, I'm I'm staying professional. (laughs) So fuck you, I see you on stage, Um, (laughs) yeah. I was going (laughs) to say. Yeah, I I, want to say thank you to um, Evan Bouchard because I bought this cap at the game. And uh, I said to Lars as we were driving to the game, I- I'm going to spend 40 bucks on a cap. I didn't, it was only 20. But I'm going to spend 40 bucks on a cap, and I bet some fucker gets a, a hat trick, and I have to throw it straight over the glass. And our first two goals came from Bouchard. And I thought, yeah, here we go. This hat's going over. Wouldn't
0: have lasted long. Uh, Well, our pleasure, man. Thanks for being on the show. Um, These two dudes are are hitting the highway south uh, to that city down there (laughs) and hitting the the laugh shop on on Wednesday, January 26th. They're going to be celebrating Australian Day. Um, so try and check that out. If you're in the area, uh, I believe the doors open at six and the show starts at seven 30. So, uh, arrive early. Um, Durst closes off the show how he normally does. Um, so we'll let him do that. Uh, but before he does, I do want to ask him, um, you know, we talked at the, at the onset of the show about, the voodoo that he pulled off to be able to have a win. And, and now maybe this is Chris Franklin's credit and we'll figure out, I guess, <laughs> when uh, Dursa goes to the next game, but uh, I do follow your uh, out of your league fiance on Twitter, Dursa, And and I noticed that she mentioned you were maybe perhaps chanting and doing some sort of sorcery or voodoo in the closet before you left GP. Uh, so before you close off, you can say whatever the hell you like, but I'd like you to explain what you were doing in that closet and why was it in a closet?
1: Okay. Uh, that's really loaded question, but we'll, uh, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. So I, I want to thank Lars and, and Chris for, uh, joining us. And, uh, you know, if, uh, in a few Sundays from now, Chris gets up for breakfast and Lars, uh, wants to come back on, we could, we could do this, uh, you know, across the, make this a global kind of show. And that would be pretty cool. But, uh, yeah. When, when I was getting ready to come, like leave Grand Prairie yesterday to come, I had to go down into the like cell block 99 for real and grab the McDavid and, and nurse Jersey. And I'm down in there and I'm thinking, Hmm. I don't think they've won a game since I, we did a show where I was down in that room. (laughs) And then the whole superstition thing started to, and I'm not really the the biggest superstition guy, but um, before we go, maybe I'll just ask Lars if there's a superstition that he has. You can give me yours. Chris can give me his, and then I'll close this off. When I played hockey,
3: I would take my stick and touch the middle knee pad of the goaltender. Um, Shane Zender, who owns Zender Ford, his dad owned it at the time, was my goaltender when I played Bantam. And I always like to just tap his, and, and I like that goalies let you do your superstition. That was just my pregame. I don't know why. I don't know how it started. I don't know what that was. Um, I did. I tied my right skate first, but, I, you know, that was, I just always do. So I don't know. That's not, I didn't think that made us win. That other thing was definitely like
2: for good luck. Um, but that yeah, that was about it. Um, yeah. So Lars, uh, the reason your skating career never took off was because you tied your right skate first, but you tied it to your left one. Um, <laughs> my one thing with, with Australian rules football, I, I always wore the same pair of underwear whenever I played a game of football, which was weird because they were my girlfriends at the time. But um, <laughs> n- nothing cool. from you guys. All right, fair enough. Okay. L- l- little Bull Durham <laughs> action there, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the games were always played on a Saturday afternoon. I always had a feed of fish and chips on a, on a Friday night the the meal before game day was always deep fried battered fish fillet with um, potato chips
3: i think they've left us Lars.
1: i know we're here da- dash is your mic <laughs> muted oh it sure is that a boy
0: yeah it wasn't adding anything valuable anyways so that's okay. <laughs> um uh yeah we'd need another episode to talk about my superstitions terse i'm not even kidding so uh oh, okay. i don't know same pre-game meals same everything uh, left skate first left glove first wow uh, last last guy off the ice and warm up uh yeah we'd, we'd need to go for a while man
2: girlfriend's oh, underwear.
1: yeah holy,
0: nothing holy. to do with my girlfriend's underwear though
1: thankfully <laughs> i always thought i looked terrible at a thong I just did the left tuck like wayne and that that's about all that uh i ever that was about <laughs> it for me um not a big superstition guy but like i say usually when i go to an oiler game i go early enough for you go and kind of do the thing with gretzky statue and then you go in and you watch warm-up and all that but i it didn't happen last night and they won so i'm not I sure know. my my superstitions uh really matter um thanks everybody for uh listening thanks Lars and Chris for for joining us this this was I was looking forward to this like all weekend uh really fun and and, you know go I the game kind of was a spur of the moment uh thing that kind of happened on Friday and and uh glad it kind of worked out I thought you know after the first (laughs) one little funny story about last night after the second goal went in this guy beside me got up and he and he walked out and I thought oh he's leaving just had to go to the bathroom but uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> bodily functions happen but I, I thought we were going to have a somber show we like after you know sitting, sitting there because it really did feel like the you know here we go again but uh, glad they pulled it out Um yeah. you know if you're listening at home you can subscribe on YouTube to the Heavy Hockey Network we'd appreciate that and you can check out kind of uh, there's a whole bunch of editorial articles on there um from some really, really good writers. Um, you know, there's ones that dig into analytics, um, the psyche of players, the game, the coaching, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, we'd appreciate, you know, uh, comment on there. We'll try to comment back and, and uh, you can trash talk. Uh, he barely like what seems to be the go-to thing right now. Uh, <laughs> He's a bit of a homer. You, you can check out, you know, M- Michael and Eric's pod on, on the network too. And, uh, you know, there's there's me and Dash. Um, you can follow Lars and uh, Franklin on uh, on Twitter at Bloke Franklin at Extra Lars. I don't know why he's extra, but uh, have a big uh, penis
0: because he costs extra. Hire a comedian, goddammit, would you? And
1: he's We're, got a big penis. We bring the jokes in late. Yeah, <laughs> um, like I say all the time, uh, keep your sticks on the ice and keep reaching for the stars go Oilers go let's beat the Canucks on uh, Tuesday night thanks guys for joining and uh, stick around we're going to play out and we'll talk to you guys in a minute go Oilers go